this land if they live righteously. It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall, an Articles of News episode, as that music would indicate. And, uh, okay, let's uh, take the ball. Let's put it on the roulette wheel, and let's see who we come up with. It's Russ Wilder really, from Texas. I really want you to have, like, a picture of, like, all the potential hosts, like, with, you know, like, spinning around, I- like, the Price is Light right wheel. And then it could land on me. I think that's a. I think that would be a fun idea one time. Everyone be available. Just have then, everyone there be like randomly like, all right, you, the rest of you leave. Yep, goodbye. Or like, you know, maybe that's how we do the next story and then we take the things off the wheel. Doesn't matter. How are you, Russ Wild from Texas? A soundproof booth. I, uh, I'm coming to you from a soundproof booth in an undisclosed location. Uh, it's all right, man. I uh, just got over the COVID. And uh, yeah, so that was fun. I uh, We have... Uh, our neighbor, our friends have parked their camper trailer at our house. And so uh, when I tested positive, my wife banished me to the camper trailer. So I've been camping in my yard for the last week or so and uh, just recently joined the living. And uh, yeah, it was good times. How do your neighbors feel about the camper in the front yard of your house? Um, My, uh, my, my yard is such that uh, we don't really see our neighbors. We could, we could, put any number of things on our property and the neighbors wouldn't see them so nobody you minds should, you should do it we uh you know texas is big we got five acres of space to hide things yeah if you said you had five acres in salt lake county people would be like what kind of you know real estate mogul is russ wild when you have five acres in texas it's like <laughs> young guy starting out that's not even a ranch yeah although so. you could i would like the wild ranch um, I, uh, at one point I had my employment on Facebook listed as the, uh, wild ranch for exceptional children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would periodically get real estate or ranch related, uh, Facebook ads because of that, which cracked me up. Nice. Nice. Uh, so the COVID, uh, better the second time around or. I overrated? think this might actually be my third time. Okay. And I would say of the three times it was the second worst, like, I, I don't know. It was weird. I didn't feel really sick initially. We just, whenever the government offers the free tests, I request them and they mail them to me. Mm-hmm. So we have a cabinet full of COVID tests. So I'm inclined to use them whenever like I get the sniffles or yeah. anyone in the house gets the sniffles. So I, I started not feeling good and I, I did the test and I wasn't really expecting anything and it came back positive. Mm-hmm. So I think I caught it early, but I don't know if that created the psychosomatic thing where that I felt like it was worse. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, I got it. This isn't a normal sickness. This is the disease. And so well, and I just it, kind of. And it could have been uh, exacerbated by the fact that you were exiled to the camper in the front yard. Yeah. Well, thankfully, winters in Texas aren't that bad. But yeah, it was, my biggest struggle was uh, poor Wi-Fi reception. But uh, I don't know. It, uh, I didn't. I, it's been worse before, but I feel like this time I was more tired mm. and I uh, had a really bad headache. So it'd be like, gosh, I just feel like I should lay down. And then I'd be like, oh, I was asleep for an hour randomly so well i want you to know that you were missed as part of the uh the year in 2023 news review i missed it i'm sorry yeah there were several people who said what no russ and i said he might die in fact if you listen to it i think i might have made it a little bit more dramatic than it actually was but i mean ferris you never know i I was just trying to make sure i didn't kill other people Mm -hmm. that was my my number one priority with the uh week-long camping trip it's interesting uh, that your inclination is to get the free tests and then uh, test it at the drop of any sort of hat. I don't do that at all. 
I have had the the test when I tested positive a couple of years ago. Pretty sure that I've had it since then. But to me, I just uh, I don't know for whatever reason. There's there's a there's some level of um, power in ignorance in not knowing. Is that terrible? That makes me horrible. Yeah, I think it makes you horrible. I mean, I think it's the idea of uh, I mean, like doesn't really like the sickness doesn't change, right? You're still sick. Sure. sure. So, but I think like I feel like knowing that I had it, like I. You know, I obviously didn't go to work and sure. I feel like I, I might have been inclined to do things like that, which I'm sure like that's how I got it. People who like, oh, I'm just sick. It's not a big deal. I'm going to go do whatever. And then I got it from them. So I was at a, a work thing the other night where uh, we had gone through it was a, a rehearsal. We'd gone through the entire rehearsal. And then at the end, they're like, you guys might notice that this individual is not here. It's because they've tested positive for COVID. And all of us were like, why wouldn't you tell us this at the start of this? We have all been around this individual for the last several days. And now at the end of all of us touching, breathing, spitting on each other, et cetera. Now you're telling it? Perfect. All right. Well, if we've got it, yeah. we've got it at this point. So, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I was going to tell you, I, uh, I, I, I evaded a calling the other day. And then we'll take a break and we'll get into some oh. actual articles of news. You want to hear this? Yeah, did you you just say no? <laughs> no, 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 no. Here's here's here is what uh it is a bizarre thing that we do uh in our church. And uh I, I wanna know uh what you would do as well. So uh I don't know if this is how it is in Texas, but certainly here in Utah and certainly in uh, my neck of the western part of the Salt Lake County. Um, there is a big push right now about the self-reliance courses that the church oh, sure, has, sure, right? Sure. Is yeah. that is that a big thing in Texas yeah. going on yeah, right we've, now, Yeah, we've had various courses there. There's a series of them starting up in our stake. Yeah, so there is, and I get, it must be church-wide, or at least North America church-wide, that we're like, hey, we've got these things, and they're very developed courses. Yeah, it's, I've actually taken one. I've done I've done the uh, start your own business one. Okay, and, so from your perspective— in taking that course valuable worth your time um i might it was okay i it's i mean I rudimentary it's, as i understand it. it's it's like if you you would be coming to that going i just had the idea about starting my own business and for someone like that it might be I really mean, good it was it was interesting it kind of could, i think it's a good starting point i think mm -hmm. um perhaps i think that some of those courses could be better taught with like a real subject matter expert mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. i Sometimes I felt like I knew more than the person talking, teaching the class or leading the discussion, right? Which isn't necessarily bad, it's kind of designed to like you know, anybody could lead it serious theoretically. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's largely one of those if you what you put in is what you get out mm -hmm. of it. And I probably didn't put as much as I should have into it, but no, oh, don't it's don't, an interesting don't do that to my Russ, but don't yeah, do they, did they want you to teach a class? I would have taken the take, taken the uh. What class was it they wanted you to teach? So, so uh, they, so I am very interested. There's the, um, it's like financial wellness or financial development or something like that. I'm very okay, interested yeah, yeah. in that and fairly and fairly vocal about it. What it mostly is is like budgets and things like that. Now, here's the deal. Uh, I have said, hey, I'm interested in that. And the way that our stake started it was, are you interested in these courses? You know, here's the six, I think, different courses that there are. Right. And so I said, yes, I am interested in taking that course. And then no sooner than I had responded to the email than I get a text message that says, hey, uh, the stake president would like you to teach this course. And, and, and they were like, well, take some time to think about it and let us know. And here, here is the thing to me, I guess, that why I said, well, let me think about it. I would much rather 
take the course before I teach the course right. is Go because, see what... yeah, yeah, see what it contains, be knowledgeable about, you know, all of the material, but then also there is nothing that would make me more mad because it's like a 12-week, two-hour commitment or eight-week, two-hour commitment, something right. like that. There was nothing that would make me more mad than if I show up at the church or the steak center or I think in the summertime they're going to do them. We have a bowery. Our steak has a bowery oh. that we use. Uh, Obviously. To, to go to this and have it be someone who, you know, like the substitute teacher in your high school is thumbing ahead. All right, so... A budget is, um, you know, uh, that would drive I mean, me crazy. And, and to the point, like when I took it, the person who was leading the course, like was participating too, mm-hmm. which I think they had actually been through it the time before. Okay. But as they would go through the the assignments that we'd have each week and the discussions that we'd have, they'd also participate and, and do all the assignments and things. So like it probably would have worked, but I understand the hesitancy to not. So then yeah, but, they were like, hey, are you going to attend this class? And I said, well, when is it? And I can't attend anyway. So it wouldn't have mattered in the yeah. first place because I've got the weird schedule. Yeah, you do. That reminds me of when you I guys, no, go ahead. narrowly avoided teaching seminary. But that's oh my a gosh, whole other story. Awesome. You would I've be done it in the past. Seminary teacher. I've done it in the past. It just was a matter of it. Um, there's three different high schools that attend in our ward. And when, it, when, all the, when we finally got down to figuring out who would actually attend, the uh, the schools started at wildly different times. And so there was either like kids would have to be there at like, you know, 545 and yes. then have like an hour plus break after the class before they could go to school. And it just wasn't going to work. And so, you know, uh, a question for you, and I don't expect you to have the answer, but maybe something that we bring up as a, a, a brief discussion here and then maybe in a future episode, contact at the culture hall dot com if you have some weigh in on this is why as um why, as a church, do you suppose we don't take more advantage of technology when it comes to things like church and seminary? And let me tell you what I mean. So I know that the ideal is that I meet with similar aged peers uh, or, you know, similar aged people or people that are in my local area and we meet together and we worship and we're able to have that fellowship, right? That is the ideal. I'm able to get to know you in proximity. We're in the same place, et cetera, right? Ideal. What I don't understand is where that may not be possible for people. Like, why don't we have the North America seminary uh, class that is live at, you know, there's one that's live at 6 a.m. Mountain Time, one that's live at 6 a.m. Central, one that's live at 6 a.m. Eastern. And if weather is bad, I woke up late, I... You know, I live in some place that makes it impossible, the car, the family, the whatever the thing is, why can't I log on and be, we're, you know, we're, we're all feasibly studying the same thing and be able to study with those people and those become my network as far as that goes. And then other times I'm able to meet in proximity. And then similarly, I get why, you know, with your ward that a lot of places don't do the broadcasts anymore. Some still do. And I think that's incredible for people that are either, you know, homebound or, you know, maybe have health concerns, etc. Why we don't, as an English-speaking church, have a sacrament meeting that is broadcast for uh, anyone that might be on vacation, right? It's not the ideal. It's not what we, you know, it's not a replacement of church. Like like the old thing they used to show on KBYU or BYU right. TV of like a sacrament 
a sort of sacrament meeting without the sacrament where they right. sing songs and right. a well-produced. Yeah. A well-produced current day. You yeah. Know? And, and it's not necessarily like your Brad Wilcox's and your Emily Bell Freeman's. Maybe we get the B or the C league uh, speakers and, or even and not like it through. just like it could be a rotating assignment from like go through the stakes in Salt Lake and you just show up at the conference center one week and I've been asked to give a talk at the, you know, like, yeah, and just, no, I think, I think you could make the case that that could be better than like some of the poor webcam setups I've seen. Sure. I mean, I, I currently do the zoom in our church for our ward mm -hmm. and I make it a point to like, make it look as good as I can with the sure. equipment that I have, but like yeah, resources and time. Right. I mean, it's a, like I make sure I like, have a microphone that you can hear and like, mm -hmm. like I zoom in so it looks like a television show. But... Right. Right. But I just mean I, I like for uh, we have an English one, we have a Spanish one, we have a Portuguese one. Right. I mean, that takes a, no offense. There's more language other languages. That. There's more languages, uh, you know, obviously within the church. But that would that would cover a lot of people that and to the other side of that, maybe I still go to my ward and the talks are horrible. And I know everyone's like, listen, if you feel the spirit, if you have the spirit, you'll be touched. And it's like, eh, am I, will I, if I could be able to, to, to have a sacrament meeting that say, I just wanted more that I would be able to listen to. I think that there's, I don't know. I don't know why we don't do that. Sounds like you've created a calling for yourself. Mm, yeah, but I've never done it. So I'm going to wait until I've done it and then I can do it. All right. Uh, let's take a break. We got plenty of news we got to get to. Lots of the things have been happening. We'll take a break and come back in the second half and do actual articles of news. Hi, friends. Dan the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops. Our lifetime service guarantee has become the most trusted warranty in the industry. You can get a brand new PC Laptops desktop computer and they start at only $29 a month. Check us out at PCLaptops.com bestdjinutah.com. You're right. It's a new ad. What? Well, it's been an entire season since I've recorded a bestdjinutah.com ad. And well, the wedding season coming to an end at this point, but not really because what happens now is everyone who's going to get married in 2024 reaches out and says, Richie, is it possible? Do you still have this date? And I tell them, yes, hopefully. And then we get you booked. We'd love to be able to work with you. Uh, travel all along the Intermountain West. Some people call it the Jello Belt. Uh, you can go to bestdjinutah.com to request a quote. You can find us on any of the social medias at bestdjinutah. And uh, we can answer any questions. Affordable? Yes. Over 400 five-star reviews? Yes. Highest rated in the state of Utah? Uh-huh. Go on. It's best djinutah.com and and I'll give you a little hint it, it also helps me to be able to do this like financially support the cultural hall through that and you get something in return imagine running a small business today it's challenging imaging and internet presence is an absolute must even with that you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe now imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients imagine Lennon design whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation advertising media and promotional materials Lennon design is your partner in business they'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you when you need creative affordable design let it be lennon design call 801-699-3022 or visit lennondesign.com here in the second half of articles of news we do actual articles of news hit it peter you can't lose articles of news and away we go uh you know uh maybe one of the biggest stories at least online anyway uh mississippi alabama mississippi bishop mississippi 
uh, gets up uh, seven and some change talk, at least in the in the video that I saw on Reddit. Gets yeah, up. I thought it says, looked looked like it might have been cut part would have, would have been cut out, but I, yeah, it was about seven minutes. Uh, says, uh, hey, you know what? Uh, they've asked me to do some things that I morally can't agree with, and so I'm stepping down uh, from being the bishop. Uh, as I understand it, it was not the like four or five years. You know, he wasn't that far into it. Seemed like um, a year or two, like close to two, maybe he said um, two and a half years ago when he got the call, he was, and he, part of the reason he said he stayed as long as he did was because of the youth in the ward and his involvement with them. Yeah, being able to help. So there are several things around this that we don't know. We don't, there are, there are several people, and I think we can probably guess, which is always great for uh, you know, the report. <laughs> we don't know. Let's just guess. Let's just get, let's just speculate. Uh, a lot of people feeling like it's something around, um, reporting mandatory mandatory reporting or not reporting um some some level or some issue of abuse i don't know that that's been said that straightforward um so i don't want to so much i assume i assume we'll hear from him at some point yeah yeah uh, about um the why yeah the exact why because he did say it's some things that i i you know i can't morally get behind doing or not doing uh and and then again it is possible that he couldn't like he could feel like it wouldn't be if I'm making a, a personal moral stand that I'm not going to do whatever they're asking him to. There mm-hmm. may be also part of that would be something he can't talk about that he mm-hmm. would feel equally compelled to like keep the confidences of people. Yeah, but we live in the 21st century where people don't just keep confidences of people. And if you can put it out somewhere and get some attention from something. I mean, like, you know, by videotaping a sacrament mean talk. Although I couldn't tell that could have been the 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 zoom from that ward no it was a sibling as it, i understand it was, it was a sibling. i mean like i know that's who released the video i just didn't know that like it could have been i've seen worse angles or uh broadcasted sacrament meetings yeah but, so so, it's it, a few, so it probably it's a, was it brings to mind a few things one because i you know we don't know all enough about the information to know oh this is why i didn't so at, at least at this point there's not much interest in me to sort of talk about that but but uh is it is it too much? Is it over the top? Is it inappropriate to do your like leaving that way? Or you know, I, I mean, I, I would say if you're leaving the calling, mm-hmm. it, it's probably not not a. It's probably not. In, it's probably fine. I would think. I think the place where I get a little uncomfortable, where when he put out his TikTok video with his family on Saturday the last the, the following saturday after mm-hmm. he gave his talk mm-hmm. where he essentially it seemed pretty clear that like it wasn't he wasn't just leaving the calling he was leaving the church right and so like that i think maybe is like i don't know that we need hundreds of people to get up and speak about why they're leaving the church right like, like i mean obviously that's not the place and i think he handled what he did well mm-hmm. like i didn't I didn't feel like it was it's not like somebody got up and said, these are the things I think are wrong with the church. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like, Here's my CES, he essentially my CES letter of why I'm leaving the church. Yeah. He didn't he didn't pull a Martin Luther and like pound his grievances on the po- pulpit. But like also, like, I don't think you we need. Could you imagine a fast and testimony meeting became public? Um, Why I'm leaving the church. Right. Right. But but so so I've tried to wrap my head around like why he would do that. And I guess a couple of things, right, um, where he probably will not be in that community anymore, where he's essentially leaving the church, stepping away from the church anyway. Uh, there would be a lot of people that would have questions. Why isn't right. the, bishop the bishop anymore? Why is he not here? Uh, you know, what was the thing that made him? Whatever, whatever, right. 
to me, it almost seemed like uh, I'm doing this here because I don't want to have a hundred other conversations around this. It seems sort of clean to just be like, I'm going to be respectful in what I'm going to say. I'm going to do this this way so that this can just be the thing. And then it can be done and I can sort of, you know, wash my hands of it and the whole thing. I remember about a decade ago, I was in a sacrament meeting and uh, our bishop was getting released and it was not the time that he should have gotten released. And so he got up and, you know, he just said that he was so sorry and that he, you know, felt like he felt so much love for the word, but he didn't say why he was sorry. He just said, right. Oh, you, you know, I'm just so sorry. And this has been an, an amazing opportunity and, you know, I'll miss you. And that guy has subsequently, uh, at least as far as I know, left the church. His uh, social media would indicate to me that he's left the church. And and what, what had happened was he'd had an affair with another person in the ward. And apparently I was the only one that didn't know that. Uh, but you know, there was this, this thing and I was like, wow, this is, this is strange. But he got up and he said, Hey, you know what? The, I'm, I'm so very sorry. And, and I'm won't be the Bishop anymore. And, and that's that. I think that that's a, a, a tremendously, um, I'm going to use the word ballsy because I can't think of anything else right now. Like on behalf of the leadership to be like, Hey, in that scenario, Hey, yeah, we'll allow you the opportunity to say something. Because that could have right. gone very differently. Same with this bishop as well. Could have it could have gone very very differently. Yeah, I don't I don't know quite how the timeline of when he talked to his stake leaders or maybe mm-hmm. that's what the video was for. He was just going to text it to him afterwards. I don't. <laughs> hey guys, in case this is what I did. Today. <laughs> that's what I said in sacrament <laughs> meeting today. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, it it's hard it's hard for me without knowing all the details exactly. But I mean. I mean, one of the great things, the blessings of the gospel that we have is that we want people to worship according to the dictates of their conscience. And so it's hard to come at him to be like, you shouldn't have done that. The the thing I think is interesting looking at that is I think it's there's a generational difference that um, I feel like younger folks Mm -hmm. our age and younger are probably more inclined to say no to callings. Yeah. And they're. There's probably, I mean, people use the term nuanced members a lot to talk, talk mm-hmm. about things like, oh, I don't agree with the way the church does this with the uh, abuse hotline. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't agree with that, but I can, I can, for whatever reason, understand why they do. And so, like, to me, it doesn't affect my testimony. I still want to be a member, but I don't like that. And it, to be for a person in that position, I could see being called as a bishop to be a, a, a concern like, hey, I I don't know that I'll ever have to deal with this, but like, I don't want to be in the position that I have to deal with this. Right. Right. And so maybe, maybe we're, we're missing out on bishops that otherwise would. And how does it get harder and harder to find yes. people to serve in those roles? And hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting, I think, I think it's the, I wouldn't say it's the beginning. I think we've been seeing this happening. I think we'll see a lot more of this in the future of people not being willing to serve or, or leaving when things get, into a tricky situation. And, and I think there's power that if you know that you're you're either not going to do it or you have lost the whatever to do it, we both know people that will continue to do something long after they should have right. set that thing down or said, I'm not going to do this anymore. And it doesn't serve anyone, but... Right, yeah. That's, so yeah, to, could he have like muddled on for the next two and a half years? Probably. Yeah. But... Is it probably better for a new bishop to get in there and start the healing process in that ward? I can't imagine he's in a large city, and I can't imagine his congregation is very big. I mean, it's obviously a ward, but well, 
Well, and it's something that you obviously, I hope, have to talk about. I don't think it's something that you can just be like, well, last Sunday sure was weird. So we're excited to talk about the Book of Mormon this year, and mm -hmm. let's talk about the opening pages. At least, I, I know that that's the tendency for some. I hope that that would not be what they would do. Something like that is so jarring, especially to a small religious community, like you think about in the South with yeah. uh, an LDS congregation. Like, you have well, to dive right into that. Assuming that that first video was posted relatively shortly after when they first did it, which I assume it was, it was New Year's Eve when he mm -hmm. made that thing, which would have meant the next Sunday would have been a fast and testimony meeting. Yeah. They were obviously calling a new bishop. So if you follow the normal practice that I've always seen, you know, the new bishop would get to talk with maybe their wives or whatever. Mm -hmm. So maybe that the testimony meeting was, you know, usurped by that. But yeah. theoretically, the next Sunday could be a testimony meeting in that ward and Having been in a bishopric and like controlled the mic button, I wouldn't want to be the one making the decision on like who needs to be cut off in the weeks to come. Yeah. 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 Or even in that situation, like I may have, been, I don't know if it's how his counselors felt about what was going on, but I could feel some real hesitation. Like, what should I do something here? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he didn't say anything overtly inappropriate, but you know. Yeah. Yes. Remain, remains to be seen. More details obviously coming out of that. Let's get to some other uh, stories. They uh, announced uh, the uh, mission leadership assignments. 144 missions uh, and mission presidents uh, assigned. That's 288 uh, people total. Well, thank you very companions. much. I appreciate that. Um, there, are I found it weird, though, that they called them their wives the companions. Mission presidents like and companions. Yeah, they're both presidents. I, I don't... I, I just... Yeah, I feel like there's probably a better way to do that. Yeah, Especially with... Presidency, the fact, presidents, co-presidents. Yeah, I, I feel like there's probably a better way to do that, especially as we're getting to a, a point where I feel like the number of sisters and elders, um, I feel like there's a there's a role there for a strong well, leader and, present, and, a, a strong adult leader present presence for the sisters. Well, and I can't remember who it is, and I wish I could. I'm racking my brain right now, but there was a mission president uh, and companion where I was like, this is th this is clearly happening because she is a tremendous individual and he's sort of coattailing this thing, right? It'd be like Jesus. if you and your wife got called as mission presidents, <laughs> you know, no offense. Actually, yeah. every offense intended. But yeah. no, I I know that at Zone Conference, her talk would be longer than mine and yes. more meaningful and yes. more memorable. And like whenever when I was, you know, 20 years out of it, the missionaries that would come to our house to see us later would be uh, coming to see her or not. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Uh, uh, all to say, there's 36 new missions that uh, will be a part of this whole, um, you know, adding the 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 mission presidents to the field. That's 450 missions worldwide. Some speculation that uh, missions like temples that will have 500 by the year 2030, both of temples and of missions of the church. So that's kind of an exciting thing. Uh, one of the big deals, uh, at least as far as local uh, with the mission president assignments. We know where Lloyd Newell, the voice of uh, music and the spoken word, is going. It's headed off to Los Angeles. He will be the he's, mission president of the Los Angeles mission. He's going to Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? He gets a little side gig and is like, guys, I'm out. I uh, can't have like, a uh, conscience. I uh, got some voice work here. And yeah. <laughs> turns out I have a knack for it. Yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, take a story. Tell me where you want to go. I, I thought that story, I'm, I can't remember in the town. The uh, I'm trying to find it right now. The uh, carbon monoxide poisoning at church. Oh, in Monroe. In Monroe, Monroe that's, Utah, yeah. I, the idea that 
like the way that I've, I've, I've heard it talked about, it was like, you know, some, some people like, you know, that they got home and they didn't got home from church and didn't feel good. And like the bishop called to check on them and it was like, you know, they're like, yeah, we've had headaches since church. And there was like, you need to go to the hospital right now. And then we're there for hours getting treatments from the carbon monoxide poisoning. What a, what a thing. I mean, yeah. we've had strange building issues at my, where we meet. Uh-huh. But I, I, I've never thought of like the building poisoning people. Yeah. Although we do have uh, members in our ward that have said in the past that they were allergic to the building, which I also thought was amusing. But, well, I mean, yeah, depending on how sensitive you are to some of those things, certainly. I mean, people's perfume. There are some women's perfume that I'm just like, what are we doing here? I Mostly older women in my particular ward where I'm just like, what is happening? I, I guess for me, the thing about the story that I find fascinating is obviously older buildings, like there's code requirements that maybe they weren't in existence when the building was built. And. You know, it's hard to stay up to date on making sure that every building meets modern codes. But I'm curious to see what the church does moving forward. You know, they've had this happen. Like, mm-hmm. are they going to address that in buildings, like to make sure there aren't problems moving forward? So I well, think it'll be interesting to see. Well, twofold. Uh, I know at least locally um, that uh, the churches now uh, where they weren't uh, required before carbon monoxide detectors in each of the building, just a simple thing. In fact, a lot of the new, I think that in my studio here, I think that my fire detector is also a carbon monoxide detector. It's kind of a two in one. Um, that, yeah, I I assume modern things are all like that. Yeah. Our church building, uh, now has the little unit that plugs in to, uh, I think they have it in two or three of the rooms, you know, like the relief society room, the main hallway, and then one on the other side of the building of carbon monoxide detectors. Those are brand new after this story uh, came out, but it was of uh, uh, something with the furnace, faulty, right? Yeah, faulty something within the furnace, and maybe... yeah, I would think that there would be. You wouldn't need to put them all over the building. There's obviously carbon monoxide comes from the combustion of stuff. So where that was happening, like sure. to have an alarm in those places would make sure. sense, and it'd be relatively easy to do. Yeah, but interesting. But, it, but it beats scary. the uh, yeah for sure. And I mean, thankfully nobody seems to have lasting damage. But uh, like. Uh, that's a it seems like there'd be a lot of a lot of carbon monoxide gas in such a big space, a big open space, unless maybe they were in a classroom or something that made it worse. Maybe hmm. that's but I don't know. It seems like well, a lot I mean, of people some, to have some problems. Of those, some of those older buildings, maybe it was just there in the in the chapel. I heard uh that like um I think that you know, they're the way that these things are rated, like if you have like between a one and a five, it's normal. You know, there's like that normal amount. And then in this particular thing, it was like a 15 or a 20. So it was just an exorbitant amount of, of carbon monoxide. And and geez, yeah, glad that they're safe. I remember when I was serving my mission, not I wasn't at this particular zone meeting, but there was a, a zone meeting where um, missionaries all had to be rushed to the hospital. Every single missionary that had a cupcake because someone who made the cupcakes for the missionaries put sleeping pills, like a, a bucket ton of sleeping pills in the uh, cupcakes for the missionaries. And so people were like, you know, drowsy and, you know, passing out essentially. And everyone's like, what in the world? And they distinguished that it was if you had a cupcake, that that's why you were doing that and so on and so forth. And it was a bit, it was a big deal out in uh, around Toledo about 20, 25 years ago. And it turned out it was, uh, the kid of the like Relief Society president who was mad at their mom for, you know, something and decided wow. that she would get back at her by getting her in trouble by putting sleeping pills in the cupcakes. Everyone was fine, 
but it was a notorious story of, oh my gosh, and it, that happened. And here we, we just didn't have sacrament meeting one week because a skunk had, you know, got under the building and did its skunk business. No, oh, really? So, Ugh. Yeah. But that didn't, that didn't poison anyone. No, but still, it's pretty bad. Uh, I want to take you here. I think this story is interesting. Uh, how many languages would you suppose the Book of Mormon has been translated in? Well, based on the number of pe- meetings you want to be broadcast in mm-hmm. different languages, four. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. English, Spanish, Portuguese, and I don't know, whatever. And then another one I think I said, right? Yeah. Um, it is, uh, well, and and I should also say, uh, recently the church announced its 200 millionth copy of the Book of Mormon has been printed and subsequently distributed. Uh, 113 languages. Mormon is so upset about not getting royalties. Yeah. 113 languages uh, is what at least a portion of the Book of Mormon has been translated into. 92 full translations of the Book of Mormon. So then those other 21 just have selections. Interesting to note, the first printing in English, 1830, obviously. Second translation, Danish in 1851. Then German, French, Italian, Welsh, Hawaiian, Spanish, Swedish, and Maori. So uh, significant to know that those are the the, uh, languages that the Book of Mormon has gone in. And the fact that there's 200 million copies. I placed at least a thousand of those. At least. I, uh, I'm excited this year to be studying the Book of Mormon in Klingon. <laughs> you know that there's an elven, some, you know, pirated black, you know, black market copy of the elven copy of the Book of Mormon because those people get that those obsessed people. with stuff. Who are yeah, those, those people? people? You know, those people. Yeah. Klingon, really if you're though? going to, if you're going to use the, uh, I was trying to think how Tolkien would have described the languages, but, uh, yeah. I'm sure there, I'm sure there's one somewhere, at least portions. Uh, what other story have you that you wish to speak of? So uh, the, I'm interested. I haven't been to Salt Lake downtown in a, in a little while. It's I, a mess. I generally, it's a mess. It but, is. Uh, some of the some of the areas around Temple Square are starting to open back up, which yep. I'm kind of intrigued with. Like, what what are what are we seeing? Is it? Have you been down there lately? What's what's back up? I know they talked about some gardens around the uh, assembly hall and around the, I guess, the old tabernacle, I'm guessing. Yeah. Are, are, so, is that whole area starting to take new shape? I mean, obviously, the temple's still under construction. Yeah. Yeah. So it's starting to take shape. It's still a mess, if I'm being candid, at least the last time I was down there, which is maybe about a month ago. Uh, you can, if you remember where the church office building is and where that horrible fountain that was on the west side of the plaza Nope, east side of the plaza by the church office building. So if you're looking at the church office that building. like reflection pool kind of thing? Or are you there, something so, different? So that's it, that's Temple Square. You have the temple, and then there's a reflection pool where everyone gets engaged by. That's not the one I'm talking right. about. If okay. you went further east, there okay. was the one that was right by, I think that's maybe West Temple. And the it, it sort of was just like the water is in a pool, and then it goes down to a second pool, and it leaked horribly. And... Uh, you could kind of cut across from like the Lion House, get yourself a roll, and then go see the folks at the church office building and, you know, go up to the observatory and try and do a, a land jump off the top and then get arrested like that one guy did 20 years ago. And now there's fences. I digress. Anyway, that <laughs> whole place where where the um, that that plaza is and that fountain was, that is reopened right now. Um, the assembly hall going to be closed and and renovated, going to be changed up now. They're at that point in the whole process of everything. Um, 
It is such a mess. Downtown Salt Lake for as successful, and everyone here has been pounding their chest about how Utah's the best state and our this, that, and the other is so low and our what. Downtown is such a garbage heap. It's so terrible. It's so terrible. Main Street, uh, and this is not necessarily religious, but like it's filthy. And there's no businesses, and the businesses that are there struggle. And and um, you know, uh, it it it's something that they thought with um, City Creek that City Creek would help out with it, and it certainly has helped out some. But it's just it's it it is not a downtown like um, you know, like your downtown even Los Angeles or your downtown New York or your downtown whatever. Like it, there are so many shuttered. Oh, that used to be this. Oh, they're saving to, to build this. Oh, that will one day be this thing that you just, you don't have the the downtown that you would want. And I don't think you'll see it come back until so, Temple Square can be a destination and you can go down there for the night. One more question I have about that. Like, as far as the Christmas lights at Temple Square, what were mm -hmm. they like this year? And are they going to be better next year and more accessible? Or do you, people, has it been scaled back because you can't really get in and around there? Uh wholly scaled back, uh, both because you can't get in there. There still was like some to it. But the other thing is you remember when we were kids, uh, going to temple square and it's, and it's like millions of lights, right? We're like, Oh right. my gosh. And, and the one, um, I think it was a cedar of Lebanon tree that was red. And you'd just be like, is that tree on fire? I can't write whatever. They don't yeah. do that anymore because it was killing the trees. So, so there's a whole part of it where we're like, oh, well, they it's things aren't like they used to, and it's because well, like the arborists, the arborists are like, guys, we can't. This is not a, a a thing we should continue to be doing. So that's part of it, and you know, they didn't want, they didn't, and I think they would own it. They didn't want the foot traffic in these spaces that couldn't accommodate a lot of foot traffic. So, sure. it'll it'll revitalize I'm it once it's finished. But man, it's they've given no sort of date. I think they said 26 was the year as nearest year that they said that the temple yeah. would be reopened. I think it'll be really fascinating to see. And I think there'll be lots of speculation in the months and years to come about what that open house is going to be like. Sure. But it's going to be, it'll be an interesting time for downtown Salt Lake, I'm sure. Well, and you have to imagine a million plus easy because it is iconic enough that people will come from other places to go there. It's the most the most visited place in the state of Utah, maybe secondary to Delicate Arch, but I, I would think maybe Temple Square far more. Yeah, I would imagine so. The, uh, the yeah, just the number of people that perhaps their whole life have been like, oh, I've been fascinated with that building and like now have the chance to go in it. Oh, I think mm -hmm. it would be an interesting, I would imagine the open house will go for months. Yeah, six months, easy. Half a year, yeah. easily, easily. A and uh, further speculation, you know how normally they do, um, how they will normally do just like the congregations affected or in the temple district for that, that it'll be a whole church. Oh, for the the, oh yeah, I, for sure. That guaranteed. I mean, that pattern I think was established by Nauvoo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. But interesting. They didn't do that for St. George. Right. St. George I mean, fair, uh, 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 you know, the first temple in Utah. I mean, not technically I mean, we had the one in Nauvoo, but then we kind of left it, but the, like the first, right. I, don't yeah, know. I, I mean, they're, yeah, they're, they're, there are other pioneer era temples and like, you know, Manti will probably be done soon. And then you got what Logan to consider and. Yeah. But they, they won't do anything and nearly anyway. So no, yeah, it, it won't be iconic a big and massive. Yeah. As far so, as the dedication yeah. goes. Uh, so uh, what I was going to say, uh, Brandon flowers is a, uh, 
speaking about the church again. Yeah, which I love. I uh, I love how open he is about it. By the way, you can find uh, the episode that we did uh, with Brandon Flowers in the show notes. We have had him here. That's lead singer of The Killers. Uh, we've had him here in the cultural hall. Uh, you can find that link in the show notes. Um, a long time. It was a, a teasing that I didn't know was actually going to be able to happen. It's episode 241, so you can go back and check it out. Obviously, way easier if you're a Patreon saint. I think it's interesting. Like, one of the things I found fascinating about the I'm a Mormon campaign, mm-hmm. like looking at it now, is some of those people aren't in the church anymore. And I think it's interesting that, you know, to have someone who is so high, high profile who is still, you know, talking about his relationship with the Savior. Well, and, and I, I mean, it's interesting for me just as I look at the people that I've visited with who have very compelling stories and have borne very sincere testimonies here in the cultural hall. And you look back through and you go, nope, nope. No, to nature of faith, I suppose. Uh, but Brandon Brandon Flowers, uh, part of a series. It's a new docu series called Jonathan and Jesus. And you're wondering, wait a minute, Brandon isn't a part of that title at all. And Jonathan isn't. I don't know who Jonathan is. Yeah, Jonathan Raumi is uh, the actor who plays Jesus in the not by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the chosen, although we have fully adapted, adopted it. As much as my stake president talks about it, you would uh, think it was. <laughs> I mean, it's on it's on BYU TV, so we certainly have endorsed it. Uh, Angel Studios, you know, a couple of the guys that do that stuff. Uh, 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 I think the DOP yeah. is a LDS guy. Like, tons of people on the staff are LDS, and certainly people have come at the director saying, hey, you're doing this from a Mormon perspective now. You've changed. You've changed. Um, right. He but a, is Jonathan. A widely, a widely regarded series that's not just from our church. Uh, he, Jonathan Raumi, travels to Salt Lake City to meet Brandon Flowers, lead singer of The Killers, in the new docu-ser- docuseries Jonathan and Jesus, gives a peek into what it's like for him to play Jesus in this series, Chosen. So... Kind of an, an interesting uh, behind the scenes sort of thing, and then talk I haven't about... seen the seen the episode yet, but I was kind of surprised that he went to meet Brandon Flowers in Salt Lake because I would have thought for sure they'd go to Vegas and like you know they could enjoy a buffet together. Well, they well, talk but about but fishing. I don't as I understand, Flowers doesn't spend much time in Vegas anymore. He's got a home in Park City, studio in Park City as well. So there's no reason for him to get down to where his roots are, or as we would say here, his roots uh down in in las vegas it's on amazon prime if people want to check it out and i do i think it's interesting enough and you know you know that he's visiting with uh with brandon flowers because we can say hey this is brandon flowers of the killers and people will talk about it on their shows available in podcast form and give it more attention exactly their strategy works done uh, let's go here to this story, shall we? Uh, Latter-day Saints have significantly fewer student loans, according to a national survey. Uh, it says that on average, 38, 38% of people between the ages of 20 to 40 with at least some college, educa- college education report having student loan obligations. Religious groups in the sample largely mirror the natural average, and the difference between, say, Catholics and Protestants, Protestants is negligible. However, Latter-day Saints have much measurably lower student loans, with only 26% of Latter-day Saints between the ages of 20 and 40 having uh, some college indicating that they have student loan obligations. So uh, why do you think it is? That church members have lower yeah. Um, 
I, I feel like debt's always something that the church warns against. I think, you know, the opportunities for the church has made it a priority to provide opportunities for people to get an education, not just here in the United States, obviously sure. at BYU. But BYU pathway, sure. The pathways pathways is a great example, but that's kind of a, an an outgrowth of what did it used to be called? The perpetual education fund. Sure. Like I think making it a priority to help members get an education is always think always been part of the church or has been for for decades. So I think that's I think that trickles down to to folks. So, but but I so I would push against it because I think the other thing that it within the church is, listen, a, a debt that you can get into is going to school. The you know getting an education, getting knowledge. That's what we're here for. So, in your in your thought, do you think it is more that speaks more to the fact that like uh, the church um, financially supports like B, all the BYUs and those things subsidizes those things and makes those uh, schools more affordable, and that's why uh, we're in less student debt, or as you maybe indicated at the beginning, that we teach the principle of get out of debt, don't have debt, don't be you know debtors to other people, and that's why we're lower. I think it's more the the, the latter. I think it's probably more common for uh, people in the church to have had conversations about debt and the impacts of debt and the purpose of debt and like the severity of debt and like more so than like maybe people who are, you know, obviously they don't necessarily teach that in high school. Mm. That's what people like to say. So I think maybe that's part of it. Um, I think it'd be interesting to look at perhaps the amount of debt that church members own, not just so the maybe those 26% have far greater amounts. Is that yeah, I mean, I, I, I think about like, think like I know here, I think of the number of Mormon dentists or Mormon lawyers or Mormon, uh, like people who are in those, those fields that like, our doctors and attorneys like that, you know, like you wouldn't, I wouldn't say the church would be pro getting, going into debt to get a, you wouldn't necessarily like a generic degree, right? Like a but theater like degree. You, go ahead, say it. Go ahead and say it. Like a, like yeah. a, like a, like an arts degree. You're I mean, like arts degree. I, I, I feel like there'd be a discussion about like, I feel like it'd be more inclined to have the discussion about like the usefulness of the degree and what the, the profession is going to pay. And mm -hmm. I think locally, at least in Utah, I feel like colleges are, have to be competitive and price themselves in a way. I know that several of the universities have like tried to lower the cost of what it costs to get a four year degree. Sure. Sure. Our so all of that plays into it. But I think the idea that like, there are a lot of people that are in those I mean, it's not uncommon for members of the church to be in those positions and like Mormons in dental school. Like I think awards around dental schools are an interesting occurrence in the church. And I think, so it'd be interesting to me to know of the members that do have student loans, like is the balance on average greater? Because I think yeah. it would be. Uh, I would also be interested to know how much of it is because uh, within the church, it seems, and maybe this is just my... Um, perception of everything that it seems like within the church that we sort of uh, adopt these traditional roles, meaning if I, the man, am going to go do a thing and I'm married and I'm in my young 20s and I need to do this thing because that's going to be my profession, that uh, I go after that and you, my wife, you quit and you pay for, you know, you get the full-time job to put me through this thing and then do that, that also seems like maybe that would play into at least a portion of why we would have less debt because we try and pay it as we go because 
we 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 do that. Whereas maybe other um, you know other beliefs, other you know different systems maybe don't push those traditional roles as much, and they would both still get into debt, and then you would have the debt between the two of them. Yeah, I, I think, but I think that's one of the reasons why the church is so pro not going into debt and or get helping make college affordable is so that people don't put off having a family because that's such an important part of the gospel, an important thing that is a core value of the gospel is like we don't we don't wait to start a family for you to have finish your dental degree. We want you to start right now. Yeah. Uh, our time grows short, so I just want to hit a couple more stories. One, uh, we have had uh, multiple conversations in the cultural hall here about making gospel available for everyone. We talked about the four languages of the church earlier. Uh, it's certainly, you know, um, Portuguese and Spanish. Uh, but also there are uh, new Sign gospel language. symbols that are available, oh, yeah. um, which I think— Some is, of them are hilarious. I think they're great. I think they're so great. They some of them it does a, a little bit remind me of like clip art from the late 90s for sure. But to be able to, you know, teach people that otherwise would not be able to learn about Jesus or about the scriptures or, you know, any number of these symbols. I think it's it's just tremendous that we're considering these people now more than ever and that now they're able to add 150 symbols into the gospel library to say, "Hey, and Look at this. And hundreds more on the way. And I think it's fascinating for people who are not verbal. It's it's it makes it an easy way to or a less challenging way to you know teach the gospel. I think it's great. Yep. Uh they they recommend it for like you mentioned, nonverbal, cognitive delays, neurodiverse, parents teaching at home, parents uh are, sorry, teachers instructing at church. There are uh, several uses of this, and I just think that it's I think it's an amazing. Um, consideration that we're making for this. Uh, the two stories I want to end on is let's go to Florida real quick. I'm telling you what. You I mean wanna... Mormonda? It's starting to be that way. Uh, the the it's better than Mormonda is always better than Morbraska. Yeah. <laughs> or Namorma. Namorma. No, Morbraska. I'm sorry. Like that. The, the, this is one of those examples where the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. It uh, doesn't roll yeah. off the tongue yeah. as well. No. Uh, the church bought, uh, paid, I should say, $174.3 million for the Beacon Logistics Park in Hialeah, according to property records. The sale features four warehouses that were completed between 2020 and 2022, and another two that are under construction. Uh, the biggest transaction, which amounted to $97.8 million, includes two industrial buildings on 50 acres. One building totals 229,336 square feet, and the other 149,850 square feet. The two other warehouses, 210,000 square feet. And people are mad mad that we would do this now i i i saw the story i saw that they were buying the land and you know the the, the church has done that a lot mm -hmm. so it's not new that the church mm -hmm. buys buys commercial property the thing that i didn't know and maybe you did from your dive into the story was are they buying it to become the landlords of the existing businesses that are there or is this potentially something like maybe they need a new uh factory to build their modular temples or are they using it for something like that well, so uh, one of the things that I heard is, um, and this is my very favorite, which is speculation with no sort of backup, is when you think about Miami, you think of where it is in relation to 
like uh, the islands of the Caribbean or access to other places. Some people said, listen, of course, why wouldn't we want massive warehouses where we could store goods in the event of an emergency in Miami? And that to me makes sense. I don't think that's what they're doing. I think it's similar to like what they're doing in England that we've mentioned, similar to what they're doing in Philadelphia, where they said we it, it, and and it's great financial business. It's 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 like um you it's know like when, your grandma always said they, they're not making any more land. Yeah. For for them to buy it and say, listen, we're gonna pay 174 million and we're gonna charge 300 million a year in rent or whatever. That makes sense. Let's do this game on. Obviously, that those aren't the numbers. That's not the spread that they're making, but they are wise. They will allow people in, make money off of it, and maybe the transition will be to something like what we altruistically hope that it would be for. But likely, it's just, hey, here's a great investment, great deal on a building. We come in. We're one of the big players. We say, here, we'll pay for that in cash. We'll take that. Thank you. And people go, yeah, we'll sell you the thing because that's why we built it. So we could sell it to someone like you who would do it and nothing like that. And then the, you know, we we make money off of it. Yeah. I I, I think it's a it's one of those things that's hard for people to just separate the <laughs> for-profit businesses of the church that aren't church. Like they they're I mean, I'm gonna assume that they're not these properties aren't gonna be labeled as religious buildings and so they're going to pay property taxes on them it's not like yeah. it's not like KSL doesn't pay taxes on their income because it's owned by the church like it, it's the business side yeah, of it's things, part of which... the for-profit entity of the church right i mean pe people forget and i know that we've talked about it here in the cultural hall but we own a high-rise building in philadelphia where people reside yeah i don't know that i want the church to be my my landlord but no i don't there, there are some interesting aspects of all of that that I just am like, yeah, get comfortable with it. The name is literally the Corporation of the President of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It feels weird. It sounds yeah. even worse, worse, weirder, but it is what it is. Let's go here and then uh, I'll let you get back to work. We got to let him out of the soundproof booth. An 81-year-old man has been charged with a felony after reportedly stalking an LDS church leader. Now, I want to walk into this sensitively because I recognize that this man is not full of his faculties. He's not uh he's not all there, I would I would suspect. There's some issues for sure. Uh Victor Otto Erickson is his name, 81. He was charged with felony first degree stalking on Christmas Eve, or I'm sorry, on New Year's Eve. Man, going to church in, in this church on New Year's Eve, you never know what you're gonna get. We might have you're your gonna get you're gonna get a plastic shovel with a note from this guy. Uh, according to to uh, court documents, Eric has Erickson has not only been trespassed from this church, but every single LDS church in the nearby area. Uh, the police states that a civil protection order was already in place for the victim, that being the person that Erickson was stalking. It expires in 2025, so it's fairly new that it's been in place because I think you can only issue those things for a couple of years. Uh, the victim and another church leader confronted Erickson when they saw him in. He reportedly gave them a plastic yellow shovel, 12 inches long, with two handwritten cards. One of the cards read, Revelations 2012, keep digging. That's the shovel. Exactly. And the other one read, I think, it's, I think it's important that we recognize that 
if you're going to tell someone to do something like keep digging, it's mm -hmm. helpful to provide a shovel. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because if you want them to do it, uh, uh, give you want them to be skills, successful, give them the skills and tools to be able to accomplish what you're asking. Yes. He's learned well. Uh, the other one read, arrest and prosecute me, you dim-witted spiritual buffoon. I'd like to point out that I wish he would have said baboon rather than buffoon and then had a stuffed baboon with them to keep the gifts going. But, but, you know, uh, I mean, it, I, I don't I don't want to make light of it because it, it's obviously it's a difficult situation. And I, I, there's probably a lot more than the story uh, indicates to it. But I know that like when I in my time as a, a member of the bishopric, one of the counselors leaned over to me and was like, that guy right there, it's so-and-so's son. If you ever see him come to the church again, be ready. Hmm. I'm like, oh yeah. And there was a couple of others that were like, that I never met. That were like, if this person comes, like, be ready to call the police. And I was like, what? Yeah. So I, I think, I think there's, I think religion in general has the opportunity to attract people that uh, have unique ideas and are willing to do unique things. So I'm glad yeah, that they were I, safe and got the police involved. He'll uh, he'll go to court. He'll have his day in court on the 12th of January. Um, another time, uh, he, as law enforcements were talking to him, he said to them, follow the spiritual law as they were putting him in handcuffs uh, and that he was, in fact, following the spiritual law. So he didn't have to follow state and federal laws. They arrested him because he's, of course, breaking the civil protection. $25,000 bond. He could face up to five years in prison, but may part of that be that he gets the help that he needs. Yeah, I mean, grandpa, he needs to not go to the church anymore. Yeah, and what do you do in that in that sort of situation if you're the loved one of that person and you just see that that's happening? Or you even, you know, because where he's had incident before and there's civil protection order, like if that's your grandpa or that's your loved one or just in your ward, like where do you insert yourself into something like that? Or do you when you know, oh, geez, this is not going this is not going well. This continues to go poorly. And then you see that individual in church. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to it. And I it's uncomfortable, but thankfully police were involved. They took care of it. And no one was hurt. Yep. 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 They got their uh, shovel. Ready to uh, go. We, uh, I know you got to go, but we got to mention this last one. They, uh, the law enforcement officers made arrests in the overnight crime binge involving the burglaries of 10 LDS churches in Eagle Mountain. We talked about this. This was back in September. The Utah County Sheriff's Office arrested a 20-year-old South Jordan man, according to court documents, and now he's charged with 19 felonies and five misdemeanors. Uh, he must really is... like metal folding chairs. Well, uh, apparently he just sort of broke in because the, the whole no. thing— all of the different uh, churches, et cetera, like $18,000 in totality. He took some donation slips that had some money attached, which you're not supposed to do, wards. You get it to the bank as soon as you possibly can. I know that protocol. Uh, damages to the doorways is mainly what made up that $18,000. Investigators got a break in the case when they noticed that Salt Lake County had several similar burglaries and a suspect in custody who had confessed to the Eagle Mountain Capers, which... If you're going to have churches be broken into, call them the Eagle Mountain Capers. His name, Lee Pierce Baker. He, uh, yeah, 19 charges. All right, that's it. Uh, we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body. It has. And that uh, 
if you're not if healthy, you weren't able to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week. Are you doing one of these? I no, I feel like I you try to do this every time with me, and I never know what to say. And that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In just a second, you're going to say on the back row. In the you meantime, don't bless the refreshments, so help me. There it is. In the meantime, Chris at Alpine Lakes Travel, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, and Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast. We'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of, of the Cultural Hall. The Cultural Hall. Oh.